Joey Davidman was living in New York City in the 1930s and 40s. She was highly accomplished, highly educated, and an award-winning poet. She eventually married C.S. Lewis, but her first marriage was marked with difficulty. Her first husband, Bill, um, was unfaithful to her. He was a workaholic and an alcoholic. And one day, her first husband, Bill, phoned her uh, during the day, and he told her from his office in New York that he was having a nervous breakdown. And then he hung up the phone. Joy was feeling very afraid that day that he might take his own life. And so she spent most of the day frantically phoning friends and family and his colleagues to try to find out if he was okay. And by nightfall, Joy said that she realized that she would just have to wait to see if her husband showed up dead or alive. And Joy also said that that night she realized for the first time in her life that she felt helpless. And for the first time in her life, she realized that she was not the master of her fate or the captain of her soul. Like Matt was saying, we're in the middle of a sermon series right now, which is called Resilient Faith. And we're looking to the lives of some people in scripture who embraced a resilient faith, a faith that endured as they journeyed together with God. And we've been looking at the stories of some people who are mentioned in the famous Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews 11, some people who are singled out for their faith. And if you heard the message last week, Pastor Ken was sharing about the life of Abraham and how he embraced a resilient faith. And today in this message, we're going to explore part of Abraham's grandson's life. His name was Jacob. And we're going to be looking at a time in Jacob's life when he felt helpless and when he realized that he was not the master of his fate or the captain of his soul. Much of Jacob's life was characterized by struggles and striving and wrestling as he was trying to reach his goals. And there might be some of you here today who feel like you're struggling and striving, and that can be really exhausting. And there might be some of you here today who are going through a challenging situation in your work or at school or maybe a troubled relationship or a health scare. Some of you here might feel like the deck is stacked against you and that you're doing all that you can to manage, but you're wondering if it's enough. And if this is the case, know that you're not alone. Today in this message, we're going to look at a season in Jacob's life where he was experiencing struggles, and we're going to look at how he held on to faith in God, even in that situation. Now, Jacob, he was usually and normally for most of his life very self-reliant. He was hardworking, but he also sometimes used deceit and manipulation to get his own way. And because of this waste of one time when he used deceit and manipulation to get his own way, his twin brother Esau was so angered by this that Esau vowed to kill Jacob. And for this reason, Jacob had to leave his hometown, he had to leave his family, his friends, and he had to move to another place far away. 
And while Jacob was living abroad for a number of years, he married twice, he had children, and he acquired significant wealth. And then near the end of his life, God called Jacob to go back to his homeland, to his Esau and other family members. And in response to God's call, Jacob gathered his children, his wives, flocks, herds, and camels, and they set out to make the long journey home. But Jacob was feeling very apprehensive during this journey. As he was feeling very afraid that Esau would kill him or try to kill him. And he was feeling very afraid as well for the safety of his wives and children, wondering if Esau might also try to kill them out of vengeance. And what Jacob did in response to that is he sent some very extravagant and generous gifts to Esau ahead of time before he met him face to face. But fear continued to rise in Jacob's heart that day because he realized that Esau was approaching him with 400 men, something like a small army. And in that very daunting situation, Jacob decided to pray to God for help. And a short while after that prayer, this is what happened next. And I'm going to read from Genesis 32. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So today in this message, we're going to explore three movements. First, we're going to look at holding to God, and then growing in God, and thirdly, seeing God. So here in this text today, we see Jacob as he's feeling very anxious. He's in experiencing an agonizing struggle because he realizes that he's soon going to meet Esau and the 400 men, probably the next day. And here he's describing in this text a wrestling match that he experienced. And at first, Jacob thought he was wrestling with a man, and later realized that he was wrestling with God. Like we see in verse 26, it says, Jacob, Jacob said, I will, I'm sorry, I will not let you go unless you bless me. In that prayer and in that recognition, asking for the person that he's asking for a blessing, this is when Jacob is realizing that who he's wrestling with is God. And what we don't know in this text, if this wrestling is a spiritual wrestling or a physical one or both, but we do see that Jacob recognized his inability to solve the problem that he was facing and he asked God to bless him. J.I. Packer is an influential theologian and he was a professor at Regent College uh, at the UBC campus. And he wrote about this wrestling match between God and Jacob and this is what he wrote. That night as Jacob stood alone by the river Jabbok, God met him. There were hours of desperate, agonized conflict, 
spiritual, and as it seemed to Jacob, physical also. He grew ever more conscious of his own state, utterly helpless, and without God, utterly hopeless. He felt the full bitterness of his unscrupulous, cynical ways coming home to roost. He had hitherto been self-reliant, believing himself to be more than a match for anything that might come. But now he felt his complete inability to handle things, and he knew with blinding, blazing certainty that never again dare he trust himself to look after himself and to carve out his own destiny. Jacob held on to God that night in the midst of his struggles and in the midst of his hardship. He didn't turn away from God in his fear and anxiety. He didn't run away from his faith in God, but he held on to God. And one way that we can be, learn to be more resilient and grow in resilience is by holding on to God, even if we're struggling and even if we're experiencing hardship. A number of years ago, one of my friends was at a very low point in her life. Her parents were applying for divorce and they were separated and there was division and conflict in her extended family. And she found herself living in a new town with few friends. And she shared with me a while ago that one day she was working in the garden, she loved to garden, and while she was working in the soil with her hands, she was overcome and overwhelmed with feelings of loneliness and desperation. And she was wrestling with these feelings that she had. And while she was wrestling with these feelings, she turned to God in prayer. And she said he answered her prayer in amazing ways. She felt comforted by his presence. And in her words, she described it as waves of liquid love were washing over her. And to this day, she continues to love gardening. And so many times when she's gardening in her yard as, with her hands in the soil, she turns to God in prayer. And this is how she holds on to God in good times and in hard times. Someone in our broader 10th community overcame addictions about eight years ago. But in the stress and in the loneliness of the pandemic, and also during the pandemic, one, someone that she cared for passed away and she lost sobriety for a time. She was really struggling and wrestling in that experience. And for two years, she didn't worship together with others. She was a student and she was considering quitting school and it was really hard for her. She finally made some steps towards worshiping together with others and she's been finding strength in this. And she's continuing on with school and she loves celebrating communion. This is the, her favorite part of the service. She finds strength and sustenance in celebrating the Lord's Supper on Sundays. And this is one way that she holds on to God, by worshiping together with others and in celebrating communion as well. John Cassian was a, a Christian monk and an influential theologian in the Eastern churches and in the Western churches. And he lived in the fourth century in parts of Europe. And this is what he wrote. He wrote, to cling always to God and to the things of God, this must be our major effort. This must be the road that the heart follows. 
And so what are some ways that you cling to God? What are some ways that you hold to God? Do you cling to God through prayer? Maybe by talking with friends or people in your life group or both? Do you hold to God by worshiping together with others and celebrating communion? Or maybe by spending time outdoors? There's a number of ways. And whatever it is, I encourage you to lean into rhythms in ways that you can cling to God and hold on to Him. And even if you find yourself feeling completely exhausted or depleted, you know that, know that clinging to God can be as simple as asking Him for help whenever you need it. And as we cling to God and hold to God in a variety of ways and by His Spirit, we'll grow and be changed as people. When my boys were little, my husband and I took them camping, usually once or twice every summer. And one of our favorite places to go camping was at the Okanagan Lake. And so one summer, one of my boys and I went out for a swim. Of course, it's almost always hot in the Okanagan, at least whenever I'm there. And so we were slowly making our way into the water. And we were at a beach that was somewhat unfamiliar to me. My son was about five at the time, and we were just slowly walking deeper into the lake. And suddenly we found ourselves um, at a drop-off. And so we were in deeper water, and the bottom was kind of slippery. And so when, when I was in high school and as a university student, I worked as a lifeguard. And as a lifeguard, part of the training that I received is that when you're trying to help someone who's drowning, it's really important not to get too close to that person, especially face to face, because that person will be very strong with all the adrenaline that they're experiencing and the struggle and fear that they're experiencing. And when I was trained as a lifeguard, I was trained rather to come from behind if someone is starting to drown and just to grab them and lift them up so they can breathe and then swim to shallower water. But that day when my son and I suddenly found ourselves in very deep water, I forgot my training and I just came really close to my son face to face. And naturally, in his fear, he just wrapped his arms very tightly around my neck. And he was strong enough, with all that adrenaline, to pull us both under the water. And so there were a few frantic seconds where I was just really struggling and wrestling with him to try to get his arms off of my neck while we were both under the water. And so for a couple frantic seconds, I wondered if we were both going to drown. But thankfully, then I remembered my training while we were underwater wrestling there. And part of my training was that if you're in the situation, you put your foot on the person's shoulder and push them away. And so that's what I did. Put my foot on my son's shoulder and pushed him away. And I still remember the hurt look on his face uh, when he realized that that's what I had done. But once I had some distance between us, then I came up from behind him and I just put my arm around him like I was trained to do and lifted him up and then uh, swam back to shallower water. Of course, afterwards, I apologized to him and did my very best to explain that it was necessary for me to push him away so that I could help him that day. Could this be a picture resembling something like what happened between God and Jacob in that wrestling match? So this is not a perfect illustration. God's power is without limit. You know, and he wouldn't forget important things like I did that day. 
But this picture or illustration still could be helpful for us to consider. Could it be that the type of wrestling is something that God can use sometimes to help us grow? Could it be that a type of struggle or wrestling is something that God can use to help us become more resilient? And while Jacob was struggling that day in the text that we just described, as he was wrestling with God and as he was struggling, he also changed. Did you notice in verse 28, it says that his name was changed. It says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. The name Jacob means supplanter or deceiver. And God changed his name that day to be Israel, which means prevailer. And in that culture, when someone's name was changed, it signified a change in character. And Jacob prevailed that day in that wrestling match by recognizing his need for God and by asking for his blessing. Sometimes uh, struggles can be used by God to help us to grow, like Jacob did that day. And struggles are normative. You know, in our culture, we often seek after ease and comfort. But God can use struggles sometimes to help us become more resilient and to help us have a stronger faith as well. And so we've been looking at holding to God and different ways to do that. We've been looking at growing in God. And thirdly, let's look at seeing God. So that day after Jacob received this new name, uh, this is what happened next in verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered and the sun rose upon him. The name Peniel means the face of God. And through struggling with God that day and for asking for his blessing, Jacob encountered God in a significant way and he saw him in a sense. And we also read there that the sun rose upon him, signifying a new day and a new beginning, a new character, and a closer walk with God. As we've been looking, you know, at Jacob struggling and then his surrender to God, we, we know that Christ also did something similar in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus went to pray a short while before his crucifixion. And Jesus knew that God was calling him to the cross. But Jesus was wrestling with this and struggling with this deeply. This is what we read in Luke 22 about Jesus' experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus withdrew. He knelt down and prayed and he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. In Jesus' struggle to avoid the cup, in his struggle to avoid the crucifixion, he turned to God in prayer 
and he surrendered to God. And he followed in God's ways and he went to the cross on our behalf and he absorbed our sin and shame on the cross. He wrestled with death and sin and he defeated these, bringing us life and freedom. And when we gather here together on Sundays, we gather to struggle together and to look to God together and to pray to him, to ask him for his help and to ask him for his blessing. If we look back and think back to Joy Davidman that day that she was wondering if her husband might take his own life. She was struggling and wrestling uh, with feelings of desperation that day. And that day in the midst of that wrestling and struggle, she turned to God in prayer. And she said that God overwhelmed her with an experience of his presence. And she said it was like there was someone in the room with her. She saw God in a sense, and she encountered him. And after that encounter, she said that her previous life, in comparison, seemed like a mere shadow play. She said she felt more truly herself and more truly alive and it was though she was waking from a sleep. And we can pray to God, and we can ask him for help and his blessing as well. And as we do, we can become more resilient, more truly ourselves, and more truly alive. It can be like the sun rises on each one of us as well, giving us a new day and a new beginning. I wonder what kind of season you're in right now in your life. Are any of you here today experiencing a struggle in one part of your life? It might be that some of you have been working in a challenging situation and the ways that you used to handle it maybe are no longer helpful. Or maybe you feel like there's one area of your life that's falling apart and you're not sure what to do. You might feel like you have little, if any, fight left in you. And if that's the case, know that you're not alone. We can look to God together. We can pray to him. We can hold on to him even in the midst of hardship. And we can ask for his blessing. I invite you to take a couple moments now to pray together with me. And if you like, I invite you to close your eyes while we pray. If you find yourself in the midst of a struggle tonight, I'd like to invite you to pray silently just for a moment or two to God about the struggles that you're experiencing. And is there anything that you'd like to ask God for help with today? What is your desire? Is there some way that you'd like to ask for God's blessing? And now for a moment, I invite you to pray to God about this as well. (laughs) 
living and loving God, we lift up to you our struggles, any struggles that we're experiencing tonight. And we also lift up to you our requests. We're asking for your help and we're asking for your blessing. And we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.